This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by Ape Entertainment, who is proud to present the return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves coming to a comic shop near you this March. Hi, this is Darren. I worked with Joe and Matt a long time ago, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Break it, break it down like this. Welcome to episode 106 of THN. We are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 6th. My name is Matt Baum. That is at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not focusing on my sex addiction to distract myself from my new civilian ex-rockstar lifestyle, I write the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com, which isn't good enough for the good people of C2E2 to give me a press pass, you jerks! (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not using comics to distract myself... From the scary feelings I have for girls. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus. It also sounds like you might be the bone collector. Which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. Folks, we're going to win a goddamn award for this episode. This week, you're going to hear reviews of Sex, number one, and Age of Ultron, number one. After that, we're going to review ten comics faster than Washington can sequester our budget during the ludicrous speed round. Then... We're going to pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Bikram Yoga and burritos bigger than our heads are going to help us discover the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, one lucky listener will have their burning comic question answered. And of course, we'll be fighting about said answer during this month's edition of Ask a Nerd. But before we march through the TSA security lines armed with Swiss Army knives, let's take a moment to welcome the new universe back to the Marvel U, but I gotta ask, where the hell is Kickers Incorporated? (laughs) And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Proving once again that they have their fingers on the pulse of pop culture, Archie Comics has announced that they will launch an ongoing zombie comic in late 2013. (laughs) What? I didn't read the news again this week, sorry. (laughs) Afterlife with Archie will answer the burning question, what if the zombie apocalypse began in Riverdale, with storylines called Escape from Riverdale and Betty (laughs) R.I.P. The series will be written by... Is this real? (laughs) The series will be written by comic veteran slash glee writer-producer Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. In Archie's press release, Aguirre Sacasa said, quote, this series came out of conversations with Archie co-CEO John Goldwater, asking questions like, what if the Archie characters found themselves in a Stephen King novel like The Stand or a Sam Raimi movie like The Evil Dead? Could we pull that off? There's not a doubt in my mind. Uh, I mean, they just met Glee this week. Yeah, you know? they did. Like, I did not. I got to say, I didn't see this coming. You know, like it's a bold new direction for it, Archie. I, mean, I will tell you what. I will definitely read the first I'm issue. I'm going to pick it up. I yeah. mean, yeah, you got me. I mean, I'll tell you what. This is a cash grab, man. <laughs> it if totally they is. murder Betty, I am down. I, like, I, want, I want at least one of the familiar, beloved Riverdale gang to be deceased in yeah. this story. No, like eaten. Like guts ripped out. Like well, it's walking, not going to be R-rated. Like walking dead feasted upon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Here's my bet. I bet Reggie's the first to die. I want Archie to cry while he like shoots Jughead right before he shoots Jughead in the face <laughs> before he wakes up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, sorry, oh. <laughs> blam. In Hollywood news, Carrie Fisher has confirmed that she will be reprising her role as Leia Organa in Star Wars Episode Seven. 
Keep in mind, she is a crazy person. Yes. The confirmation came from the Palm Beach Illustrated Magazine of all places. I just love our sources. While this is definitely a far cry from an official announcement from Disney, this is the first real confirmation of any casting for the film, and it lends credence to the rumors that Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford will reprise their original roles. Adding fuel to that fire is a Bloomberg Businessweek interview with George Lucas. Where are they getting these publications? I don't know. Why are they telling these publications Tell all of it. these details? I, I don't trust anybody unless it's Latino Review. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, that's just me. In which Lucas confirmed that the return of Fisher, Ford, and Hamill was nearly a lock before Lucas sold his company to Disney. So, at this point, we have confirmation from the creator of Star Wars and... Confirmation from one of the original actors. The only party involved not confirming details is the one that's making the movie. <laughs> so, Joey, assuming this is all true, do you think it's a good idea for Luke, Leia, and Han to return to the big screen after all this time? I know the fear. I like. I know why people would be nervous about seeing I those do guys too. come back. And I can but... tell you exactly where the fear comes from. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I get it. I get okay? it. Okay, but I'll be very sad if they do a a continuation of the of the original trilogy and don't have the original characters. In oh, it. come on. They're going to be old people. I'm not saying they're going to be the main characters. Old but they people aren't cool. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to be the main characters, nor do I even want them to be the main characters. I don't want them to be the main but characters. But they need to be in the movie. And I. this makes me happy. There's a lot of rumors swirling around about what the movie is and is not going to be about. People keep saying, you know, well, is it going to be about Han and Leia's kids or and Luke and Mara Jade's kids? All we know for sure is that they're going to do a new story, so anything we know from the Expanded Universe is not a given. But I want these guys to at least be there to bridge the gap between the old trilogy and this new one. I don't care. I Honestly, I don't care. If they completely recasted them with good actors, wouldn't bother me at all. Oh, I no, I wouldn't want that. It wouldn't bother me at all. I wouldn't want that. If it's a good story, I don't. We all said that about Star Trek, too. And look, we were perfectly But that happy. was a reboot of Star Trek. I get that. Okay, agreed. But remember how scared we were? Remember how terrified everyone no, was? No, I know. And and they very deftly made it all okay, you know, right. with a and, time and they travel, did. They did. you know. I'll give you that. And you can't do that in the Star Wars universe. No, but I understand. I I want I I'm fine with if this I don't want this to pick up like 5 minutes after Return of the Jedi. No, and maybe it picks up 25 30 years, years later. After, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And and then they pass on the torch to the new the new cast. Right. Let's just get rid of all the midichlorian bullshit. Yeah, and, you man, know, I mean, like somebody wipe that out of continuity. Finally, writer Kurt Busiek has announced that his fan favorite award-winning series Astro City will be making its triumphant return in June. Hooray. With a new ongoing series courtesy of DC Comics. Weird. Astro City is the story of the citizens of a place where the superhuman is commonplace. It spends equal time focusing on both the powered and non-powered residents of the city and offers the kind of real, heartwarming, and gut-wrenching stories that you won't find at the Big Two. Astro City launched at Image Comics, first with a miniseries in 1995, followed by an ongoing series and numerous relaunches with Jim Lee's Homage and Wildstorm imprints before settling at DC. I think it's Homage. Okay. <laughs> Chronic, health pro- <laughs> Chronic health problems prevented Busiek from working on the series, which saw numerous delays over the years. Astro City's last issue was published in 2010. Joining Busiek will be interior artist Brent Anderson and Hooray. cover artist Alex Ross. Hooray. 
both of whom have contributed to every single issue of the series since its inception. In an interview with MTV, Busey said, quote, I started getting more productive late last year and finally reached the combination of A, having enough finished issues in the drawer, and B, producing new stuff on a steady basis that we all felt secure in putting the book on the schedule. We've got a whole bunch of material done, and Brent and Alex have been doing stunning stuff, so I'm eager to get it out into the hands of readers and see what they think. Matt Baum, what do you think? I love Astro City, and I love Brent Anderson, love Alex Ross, and I would argue Alex Ross has been trying to ape Astro City for years at Dynamite. (laughs) No, this is great news, as long as they don't try and fart it into the DCU and go, oh, look, it's happening there. No, 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 no. It needs to stay completely separate. All right, if you look at uh, Astro City's publishing history, other than that initial miniseries that happened very early on in Image's existence... It's all been published by Jim Lee. Right. Homage, Wildstorm, and then when Wildstorm got sold to DC, no, and I'm it sure, was at DC. And I'm sure he's protective of it, and he should be. I just don't want him to screw it up. No, I don't and want Busey said it is absolutely not involved in the in the DC universe. Good. It's its own thing. I don't want him to go Wildstorm It's just the same it. Astro City that it was. It's, Good. it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just more of that thing that we've been missing. That's excellent news. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, and everybody Me should be excited to have this back because if you haven't read Astro City, I urge you to go pick up those first couple miniseries. It did trail off a little bit. I will say that the most recent, the, uh, the most recent long-term storyline, The Dark Age, which went on for four volumes. Yeah, it was too long, and it kind of, and I mean, it was plagued with delays. <clears throat> it wasn't. It's, it wasn't the best example, but Astro City is a phenomenal piece of work. It's amazing. We're gonna talk a whole lot more about it in the answer of the week so stay tuned for that but this is exciting news i can't wait for this to come out no i'm excited too and i'm glad kerbusic can do this because he's one of my favorites and for a while there he was kind of losing me so it'd be I'd, i'd love to have him back absolutely this is good news all all around That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where Joe Patrick and I are planning a little Astro City revamp of our own, a triple X version that we're tentatively calling Astroke City. It's going to be hot stuff. Each week, my favorite sex pervert, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our Facebook and Twitter, and we not only read your responses, but if you call us on Skype, our Skype name is Two-Headed Nerd, and leave us a message, we'll play them on the all-new Answer of the Week audio blog exclusively at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe Patrick, what were we asking these nerds this week? This week's question was, what is your favorite superhero comic or story outside of Marvel and DC? Bonus question, what are the best and worst superhero analogs like Samaritan? So you did decide to go with my question. (laughs) I told you I was going to post it as a bonus. You know, like Samaritan and uh, the Confessor are analogs of Superman and Batman. You know the drill. Sure, sure. If you want to hear us making fun of your answers along with our own uninformed responses, go to twoeditnerd.com and check out the unedited Not Safe for Whack-A-Mole's Answer of the Week audio blog now. Soon. Ish. (laughs) Definitely this weekend, probably. It's review time on THN, where Matt and I jump up into our comically tall director's chairs for an in-depth discussion of two of this week's new comics. Matt, aren't all chairs comically large to you? 
That's a short joke, and that's rude. You're a fat kid. What do you think of that? <laughs> Matt, I'm just trying to inject a little comedy. I didn't mean to offend you. No, it's hilarious. I really liked it. Tell me, which comical book are you scrutinizing this week? This week, I read Sex, number one, from Image, written by Joe Casey, with art by Piotr Kowalski. Piotr. 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 Piotr? Peter. I'm going with Piotr. Okay. Pete Kowalski. Here is your sexy solicit. First issue collector's item. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Finally, a good reason for you to come in the comic book store. Get, Get it? it? Uh... <laughs> to buy sex! Simon Cook has retired from his own, quote, alternative lifestyle <laughs> and returned to the city he'd previously sworn to protect. Now he's just another average citizen. Or is he? The term adult has never been so appropriate as it is when it applies to sex. You know the solicit for the second issue says second issue collector's item? <laughs> that's great. I hope they do it every month. So what happens to an ex-superhero that's promised his dying mother he'd give up the hero business? Well, of course, he becomes a sex addict. Or I don't know if it was his mother. I think it was his mom. I think it was like his Alfred. Oh, I thought it was his mom. Regardless, it doesn't matter, I don't think. Anyway. Maybe he becomes Maybe. a sex addict. Sort of. Maybe. <laughs> it seems that's where this I don't comic think he's is a sex addict. going. And mm. I say seems because there's not a whole lot here. We meet Simon Cook. We know he's an ex superhero. We even meet what might be his arch nemesis. But there's a lot missing here. Let it be known I love Joe Casey and have been told it is in a gay way. As usual, Casey has a very high concept here and a title that leaps off the stands. But there just wasn't the hook I was hoping for. I mean, there was sex here, but nothing like Black Kiss or even Neonomicon level perverted. And maybe that's what he's going for. And for the record, I didn't pick this up hoping to see monsters rape human mouths or anything. <laughs> but the title is SEX in all caps. Yes, because he knows how to market a book, doesn't I he? I get it. And there's a little nudity, sure. But no, there's a lot of nudity and uh, it's very graphic. It's like two pages and it wasn't that bad. I yeah, mean, like, it's two pages full of very graphic nudity. I didn't think it was that bad. You Apple see is, vaginas. Apple's talking about buttholes. not caring this. They censored this. Yes. Apple carried Neonomicon. It's on their digital iTunes. And that was way worse. I mean, there were no dude's tools hanging around or they were fully erect for that matter. This issue reminds... Which is what Matt really wanted. I'm just saying, the title is Sex. I thought we were going to get into it, man. You know, like, I thought this was going to be straight up, like, Italian Eros comics, you know? Sex reminded me of the first season of Nip Tuck, where they weren't sure what wacky, sexy direction the show was going to go in, but they knew it would be wacky and it would be sexy, you know? <laughs> like, I'm interested and I'm probably going to read more, but I, I really can't tell you what this comic is about yet. What I got out of it was this. It's a guy that has given such a large portion of his life to protecting the city and they say it in the, in the book it, it, he did so in a, in an almost monk-like fashion like denying himself in all in all regard right <clears throat> and now he's gonna freak out and now he's you know free quote-unquote free of that and he doesn't really know what to do right so he's gonna freak out he's trying to go out and have experiences because he doesn't know how else to do it and he looks like he's gonna become a sex addict or not. I mean, he didn't even have sex. He was just in a room where sex was taking place. Two, two lovely ladies were... Right. Wow. And <laughs> so it's, it's, it's more about the... Like, if you take the title aside, 
and just read it for what it was. It's just about this guy who's given up something that he's dedicated his entire life to, and now he doesn't know what to right. do. Right, and it's well written. I just didn't... And the art is gorgeous. The art is beautiful. I'm about to go into that. It's well written. I just didn't get the hook. You know, there was nothing that really pulled me in. I'll give you that. There's no There's no real... There's I got no a, real... a late night text from Ora McWilliams the other day, specifically about this comic book. I'm just going to quote it for you. Matt, several exclamation points. What the f*** is sex about? What the f***? Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I mean, I like, will, I will say there is no, there's no real indicator about what the series, what the, what the plot is. Yeah, where the series is going. Certainly. Right now, I will. Okay, the art by Kowalski, fantastic. It's Dave Gibbons meets Milo Manera. The the colors by Brad Simpson give the comic a very Watchmen feel. Totally, it worked totally. really well. It's I, very nice to. Look I at. loved the lettering. Yeah, the lettering was fantastic. The lettering is very unique, and rather than just like bolding certain words for emphasis, they use little bars of color. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, what was it? Never Ter- seen anything like it. Terminal City did something similar. Huh. The old Vertigo series by somebody. We're supposed to know. Michael Lark was on it, I believe. Dean Motter and Michael Lark? Let me look it up. Okay. Confirmation. Dean Motter and Michael Lark. Not the point. Really like the lettering, though. There's a lot of really cool stylistic things going on here. I think this is going to be a good book. And what I'm saying to you, I'm going to tell you this before I rate it. Stick with this one. Joe Casey is a good writer. He has a good concept. Really talented art team working with him. And I think this is going to be fun. That said... This is one of the hardest reviews I've ever written because I honestly don't know what this series is going to be about. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a dramatic version of Butcher Baker the Righteous Maker. Okay. You've got this superhero. He's, he's done being a hero. It doesn't matter whether he's yeah, re- washed exactly. up. He's just retired. And he's just he's not sure what to do with his life, and then he, you know, he gets pulled back in. Now, I, we don't know if he'll get pulled into crime fighting or any of that. There are some indicators that maybe he will because we we meet some of the uh, criminals of the city, and we also meet uh, I think his uh, his Catwoman yeah. essentially, and um, so time will tell what happens with those guys. But I agree with you. There's no other than it, it, it's very well told in in the sense that you know exactly what he's going through. You just don't know why. He's going through it and right. where the book is going. Right. So I'm giving it a skim it. I'm giving it a skim it as well. Uh, though I did think it was very well written. This book's not going to be for everybody. I think the marketing for it is kind of ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Uh, I mean, but I, everything, I get why they're doing everything it. Everything Joe Casey does is a three ring circuit. Sure, sure, sure. I love the guy. If this book were just about this superhero retiring and then not knowing what to do with his life, I'd be totally in. So, and this is going to sound prudish, but I don't mean it that way. All of this nonsense, the sex stuff, I could care less. Because it's not titillating in any way. It's not... There's. I, I found myself titillated. <laughs> of course you did. But, I, like, I think the story of him trying to figure out what to do with his life is much more interesting than with him going buck wild because he's never had a boner. Fair enough. Or whatever. Enough of this boner talk, Joe Patrick. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about Age of Ultron number one? Age of Ultron number one from Marvel Comics, written by B.M. Bendis, with art by Brian Hitch and Paul Neary, colors by Paul Mounts. Here's your solicit. For years, the heroes of the Marvel Universe have lived in fear that the artificial intelligence known as Ultron would one day evolve to fulfill its desire to wipe out all organic life and take over the Earth. That day has arrived. 
This massive 10-part Marvel Universe-spanning event is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning writer B.M. Bendis and comic legend Brian Hitch. Who's never won an Eisner. (laughs) Whenever you do that, like the second guy, like, and (laughs) this guy. It's not like the Eisner Award-winning creative team of. (laughs) No. Let's get one thing out of the way. I already said that I'm in the tank for event books, but throw in an embossed foil cover. Come on. It was a neat cover. Come on. It was really cool. <laughs> in all seriousness, this is the first issue of an event that has been brewing literally for years. Fans may remember that Age of Ultron was hinted at all the way back in the Heroic Age relaunch of Avengers. And has popped up here and there for three years. I think they even showed some of Hitch's art from this very issue at some point. The good news is that, good or bad, this series is completely in the can already. So we'll see the conclusion of this crossover within about four months' time. <laughs> They're going to just shotgun out ten issues yeah, before, before June. Boom, bang. No screwing around. Uh, fortunately, all of that planning seems to have paid off. Age of Ultron number one is a pretty good read. This issue begins with Ultron already victorious. We don't know why or how or even how much time has passed, but Ultron has already conquered the Earth. Yeah, we should mention we were right. When we said, like, Age of Ultron title was very reminiscent of the Age of Apocalypse title, this appears to be a different reality Well, Ultron won. I would say let's not be too hasty. I think Ultron, I like, because there's nothing very different. Except for the giant structure. No, I know, but it's not, it's not different in the sense of the Age of Apocalypse where it's like... And Mr. Sinister raised Cyclops. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, it's it's a good guy. Yeah, it's not, it's not... So far. It's not like what if alternate reality. So far, it's not. And so maybe there was just a time jump. Maybe it's an alternate reality. We don't know yet. Hawkeye runs afoul of some street-level villains planning to sell one of his fellow Avengers to the head robot in charge. And we get to see the current state of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, or at least what's left of them. This issue was a really quick read, but it didn't feel sparse. While Bendis allows Hitch to spend several pages just showing us the landscape of this brutal world, uh, there are as many pages packed with small panels as there are huge splash pages and double-page spreads. Hitch's art is glorious for the most part. I know I've been critical of him in the past, and there are certainly some moments where I thought he fell down here and there. Yeah, there it was a little inconsistent moment. I, it's usually it's the it's the faces. It's it's not the action. He has no. It's not the action, action or the storytelling or the scenery or the backgrounds or any of that. It's it's like weird lumpy Spider Man. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I understand he's wearing a costume that's very tight fitting. Stop drawing individual toes. <laughs> on his boots. That drives me up the Fair goddamn enough. wall. Fair enough. But there's no denying that Hitch is a master storyteller. He invented, quote-unquote, widescreen comics with his run on the Authority back in the day. And this is widescreen in every sense of the word when it needs to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, the script is typical Bendis. There's not a whole lot of dialogue, but what is there is pretty well written. My biggest complaint, and I've said this before, I think, it's that Hawkeye just murders dudes left and right throughout the book. Now, this may not be the popular opinion anymore, but I'm a fan of the old school principle that Avengers don't kill no matter what. Like, I'm I'm fine with characters that kill if it's in their character. Sure. But the whole thing about the Avengers is that Avengers don't kill. And I know they've added a lot of, like, Black Ops spy stuff to Hawkeye's history, and the no-killing thing has probably been brushed away in the modern age. I, I get it. But this is the guy that practically kicked his own wife out of the Avengers because she let a villain fall to his death. Right. I know that that's. Uh, I know that this is their most desperate hour, but I like to think that 
the world's greatest heroes wouldn't throw away their ideals just because the world goes to Okay, this is one of the reasons why I think this is an alternate reality. Because something else maybe, happens. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Something else happens that I'm not going to go into on the very last page. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. I, That anyone who knows a character would say, no f***ing way. You know what? <laughs> you know? Like, <sighs> and that's one of the reasons that leads me to believe that this is a totally separate reality. I wish we were going to spoil it because I have a counterpoint, but we're, I'm not going to do it. We're not, not going to do it, it on the air. We're not going to spoil it. Um, but... I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Oh, I thought it was seeing fun. Hawkeye. I thought it was fun a lot. I just it. Like, no, I'm, I'm specifically seeing Hawkeye coming in and just oh. straight up f***ing murder those guys. It was tough as nails. It is totally man. tough. And I love Hawkeye. I like the fact that he is who he is, and I agree. He's not a killer, but he is a guy with a bow and arrow. <laughs> you know? I know. And I, listen, so I he's get a maimer. It. I understand. <laughs> I understand all of that. We don't but, kill. We just maim and ruin lives. But <laughs> I give myself into that suspension of disbelief. I get it. I get it. I get it. Batman doesn't kill. You know. Sure. Hawkeye doesn't. The Avengers gotcha. don't kill. Um. Now this is now, this worst is, case scenario too. Yeah. So who knows? I, again, I get it. But this is the character who we just had an issue of his own series that made a big deal of the fact that he may have killed a guy. Right. And he really didn't, and it was all okay. I got you. Spoiler alert. I got you. <laughs> but anyway. Spoiled him left and right, folks. One thing I noticed uh, is that Spider-Man does not sound a thing like he's been portrayed in Superior Spider-Man. This is definitely Peter Parker. I'm not sure if that's something to watch for or if it's an artifact of the story being completed so far in advance. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, this was written five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it'll tie in, but there are going to be Superior Spider-Man tie-ins is the thing. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Uh, the first, this first issue raises a lot of interesting questions. I'm on board for the answers. I liked it a lot. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm with you 100%. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Whenever you take like any Age of whatever. I loved Age of Apocalypse. So far, this looks like it's going to be fun. Whenever you take the Marvel like universe and show us like a different version of it where the bad guys just won and the good guys are just sure. screwed, I'm in. Like That is so much fun. And I'm falling for it again. Loved it. So that's a double buy it for Age of Ultron number one and a double skim it for sex number one. Of course, we want to know what you despotic artificial intelligentsia and chronic masturbators thought of these comics. So rub your filthy opinions all over our internets over at the comments section. So cool. For this episode at 2 nerd.com. You wrote it, buddy. I know. I wrote that. Speaking of sex, it's time for these two pump chumps to snort two lines of Viagra. Cut with the dehydrated sexual napalm that is the pregnancy hormones of Jessica Simpson. Wow. Which will send us into a sexual temper tantrum where we will very briefly have screaming monkey sex with anything that moves. So I'd suggest you listeners make like the scared little kids in Jurassic Park and hold very still in the shadows while DJ and I work out some sexual rage while reviewing 10 comics during this week's Ludicrous Speed Round. I do not know how to feel about any of that. Ludicrous Speed, go! Las Vegas, number one from Image. This is the new series by Jim McCann and Janet Lee about uh, some kind of grifter, poker card cheater guy. That you read this, right? I did. <laughs> okay. It's hard to describe. It's about it's about a, a, a gambler that gets caught cheating and thrown into space casino prison and forced into servitude. It was totally fun. It was full of huge, big, crazy ideas, and the art is phenomenal. I, I loved it. Loved, loved it, loved this it. series. It gets a huge buy it. 
And if it weren't for Age of Ultron and Sex, this would have been one of our main reviews for sure. There you go. Transformers Spotlight Bumblebee from IDW. I've yet to read a Transformers comic from IDW that I didn't like. This one is well written. It's the story of Bumblebee trying to establish himself as a leader in Optimus Prime's absence. I have no f***ing clue where Prime went, why he's gone, because I haven't really been following the series, nor do I really know what series this ties into, because <laughs> there's like six different Transformers series running right now, but it wasn't bad at all. The art was fine, at best. I can only give it a skim it, because I really didn't have a frame of reference, and the art wasn't great. Superman Family Adventures, number 10 from DC. I picked this up on the strength of the cover alone. General Zod is uh, slowly trying to take over the Earth by selling hot dogs from a cart. (laughs) Zod dogs. (laughs) And Superman is eating one, and it's delicious. This is by Art Balthazar and Franco, and this book does not have many issues left to go. Yeah, those of you who didn't read this book are the reason it got canceled. God damn you all, because it was fantastic. It's I, fun. Listen, I loved every second of this read. It was so much fun and so full of energy, and it was just so bright and beautiful art, and this book is going to be missed completely. Huge buy it from me. Here we go. NFL Rush Zone number one from Action Lab. It's like they knew if they put this out, I would talk about it. This comic joins a short list of other football-themed comics as another terrible idea that will neither appeal to sports or comics fans. Apparently, this centers around a group of kids who protect the NFL with Green Lantern-like powers. The story is complete with football-centric villains like The Game Changer. It's perfect (laughs) if you want to reinforce your sports fan child belief that comics are for dorks. Leave it. Colder, number five, from Dark Horse. This is the final issue of this miniseries by Paul Tobin and Juan Ferreria. I've read every issue, and I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what was going on. (laughs) Really? (laughs) But it's been completely fun to read. It's creepy as hell, and Ferreria's art is amazing. I think this is getting a series. Amazing. regular series. Well, I don't know how they do it, but maybe. Uh, But I will follow these guys anywhere. Cool. Read this. Pick it up. If you can't get the issues, get the trade when it comes out. This was amazing. Buy it. Swamp Thing number 18 from DC. This is Scott Snyder's final issue, and I predict the beginning of the end for the title, because I don't know who the hell is going to take it over after this and do something with it. Rot World went on, which is the story we just got done with, was the Rot World story. It went on just a little too long for my taste, and it had too many art changes. Yannick Paquette is back here for the conclusion, and he's great, but... The emotional heft of the story just sort of ran out for me like three or four issues ago. I just, I wanted to love this. It just seemed watered down, and it just ended really hastily. I can only give it a skimmit. Fair enough. Earth 2, number 10 from DC. I was way behind on our Earth 2, so this week I got to play catch-up. I read Earth 2 5 through 10. How do you feel, sir? I loved it at first. I, and I think the concept is fun, and I'm on board for a kind of an Elseworlds take on the JSA. But as the issues progressed, the weird James Robinson dialogue problems that we had with his uh, past work at DC... Whenever he seems to write a team ...kind book. of crept in a bit, and it was pretty bad in this one. Again, I like this story. This is the beginning of the introduction of the new Doctor Fate, but... It's got some dialogue issues. Uh, I'm giving it a skim it because I like the series overall and I want it to do well. And I know that Robinson can do better. And the series was very strong at the start, but this is not its best issue. Fair enough. 
2018, Prague 1822 from Rebellion. Prague is like issue number from what I understand. It's British. I don't know. As always, there's a lot going on here between Judge Dredd, Investigator Ampney Circus, <laughs> and a guy who rides a two-headed dog and fights the devil in the Red Seas. And my <laughs> favorite, Intestinauts, a story about little <laughs> robots that fight monsters in your colon and fall in love. Very high quality and in true 2080 fashion, very hard to follow for the uninitiated. But reading this made me wish I could follow it. Honestly, buy it. High quality stuff here. A plus X, number five from Marvel. You know, I don't read every issue of this series, but this one hooked me because it was a team-up of Iron Fist and Dupe. (laughs) I mean, come on. Written by Catherine Immonen with art by David LaFuente. And the backup was a Kid Loki, Mr. Sinister story by Kieran Gillen. Both stories were amazing. Yeah. The, solid writers. The lead, the lead story was hilarious. Uh, there was all of that trademark Iron Fist uh, naming the Kung Fu moves, except all of the moves were ridiculous, like the Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> Eighth grade physics club. <laughs> and it was very, very funny. Very funny. Great art. The backup story by Gillen and Joe Bennett was wonderful. Mr. Stinister invented bullets made with bits of cloned eyes from Cyclops. Gross. So that when he shot them at stuff, they'd explode with uh, with ruby red force. Ooh. That's awesome. That's, yeah, like that's such a really great idea. Cool. But I loved it a lot. I'm giving this one a buy it. Amy Comic Girls, number one from DC. The art and the color of the comic is really nice, and even the story by Gray and Palmiotti is not bad. I just could not give less of a about this premise, <laughs> which I should mention is inspired by the all-female manga versions of the DCU the characters. all-female, super busty manga versions of the DCU characters. Which they made statues out of. So it's not like they were even doing anything. Right. <laughs> I, I, I just say give artist Eduardo Francisco a real title, DC, and leave this stupid idea alone. Leave it. That is your ludicrous speed round, and blorf. it's a sound made by a puking Intestinauts user that probably should have used Intestinauts Plus, as seen in this week's 2000 AD Prague 1822. What a maroon. After a drug-fueled sex romp, Matt and I like to retire to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where our manservant Wong has raised the room temperature to 120 degrees for a special... Couples Bikram Yoga Session led by Dalsim from the Street Fighter franchise, enhanced by the peyote-laced burritos we lunched on to regain our strength. He'll be teaching us to light our gas eruptions to create our own yoga fire and his elongated stretching routines and balanced postures along with our own hallucinogenic fever dreams will mix to reveal to us the secrets of next week's comics. Matt... What's your pick for next week? I'm pretty sure I put emphasis in all the wrong places during that sentence. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> I'm not sweating it. My pick for next week, Sledgehammer 44, number one, written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi, with art by Jason Latour, who is an artist. I got it. <laughs> God. We had a little discussion about Winter Soldier. Here's your solicit. August 1944. A man in a suit of iron armor drops from an American warplane onto a French battlefield where he attempts to fight his way through an army of Nazis and the massive war machine they keep protected in an armory. 
This is Mike Mignola's version of what if Iron Man was Captain America. <laughs> wow, it's going to be w- When you put it that way. It's going to be wacky, <laughs> and I am excited. Joey, what are you looking forward to? My pick is Wolverine, number one, from Marvel Comics, written by Paul Cornell with art by Alan Davis. Here's your solicit. It's hunting season. The best there is at what he does gets an all-new ongoing. Pay attention very closely. There's a mystery here that even Wolverine hasn't sniffed out yet. When Wolverine finds himself the bargaining chip in a hostage situation, he must make a decision to save a little boy that will follow him forever. Literally. The little boy will follow him forever? (laughs) How can a berserker fight what he can't see? And how far will he go to assert his humanity in the face of the unknown? I like Paul Cornell. I love Paul Cornell. I love Alan Davis. I know you do. I love Alan Davis. I don't Davis. dislike Alan Whatever, Davis. shut up. <laughs> Paul Cornell, Captain Britain and MI-13 was one of my favorite books. wonderful. And his action comics, so Lex Luthor. Yes. Oh my God, those were good. But his DC stuff, you know, didn't really hit me the same as his Marvel work. I'm we're happy to see him still whispering. back at Marvel. Whisper, we're whispering. I'm happy to see him back at Marvel. There you go. Especially paired with Alan Davis. I could really care less about Wolverine. But I will read a book with these two creators, regardless of the content. The THN trade paperback pick of the week is Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon trade paperback from Marvel Comics by Matt Fraction and David Aja. Here's your solicit. Fraction, Aja, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Cars, Guns, and Videotape. This is seriously it. The breakout star of this summer's blockbuster Avengers film, Clint Barton, a.k.a. the self-made hero Hawkeye fights for justice and good rooftop barbecues. And with ex-young Avenger Kate Bishop by his side, he's out to get some downtime from being one of Earth's mightiest heroes. Matt Fraction and David Aja reunite to tell the ongoing tales of the Arrow Avenger. Barton and Bishop mean double the Hawkeye and double the trouble. Plus, relive Kate's first meeting with Clint as she learns wanting something can be miles away from actually earning it. This book collects Hawkeye 1 through 5, and Young Avengers presents number 6. Hawkeye is my favorite series. I think it's the best series at Marvel. I think it's the best comic book on the stands, monthly. Didn't I give it best my Beppo for best series last year? I believe you did. There you have it, kids. Seek this out on comic shows next week. This is Can't Miss Reading. And as always, we want to know what you are looking forward to next week. So be sure to tell us what you're excited for, along with the video of you writing your own gas eruptions, over at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash two-headed nerd. It's backslash. It's a back... Wait, no, it's forward It's forward slash. <laughs> I corrected you last week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Pride of Africa. Before we move on, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. The Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast was brought to you by Ape Entertainment. Since 2003, Ape has been bringing readers original and licensed comics and graphic novels like Pocket Gods, Strawberry Shortcake, and the upcoming return of Drew Hayes' Poison Elves, which continues the saga where it abruptly ended back in 2007. Look for Poison Elves in this month's previews catalog on page 244, and pre-order your copy today. Check out ape-entertainment.com for more. Thanks again to Ape Entertainment for sponsoring THN. And if you'd like more information about sponsoring the show, or perhaps you know someone who would like to sponsor yeah, the show, send an email to 2 at gmail.com with the subject line, Sponsorship. 
because apparently we're going to have to pay our own way to Chicago. <laughs> That 80s beats like what you're hearing must mean it's time once again to reach deep into the THN mailbag and pull out a question from one lucky listener. So deep, it'll put your butt to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, asking her time is here again. This week, Tom Clare writes, Hi, Joe and Matt. I've Hi. always wondered about the Marvelized Guardians. Are they actually gods? And all the Norse myths really happened such as loudish but heroic Thor accidentally fishing up the world serpent and golden-haired Sif as the goddess of the harvest? Or are they otherworldly superhumans who visited Earth in the past and simply inspired the Norse myths? They certainly don't resemble their mythic counterparts that much. I can't imagine that the Marvel Thor dressing up in a wedding dress in order to get into the stronghold of the King of the Ice Giants, but... I'm thinking about it right now. I would definitely pay to read that issue. I would, too. And I don't even think it's that far off compared to some of the Thor stuff I've read. This is a great question, though. It and, is, and, and we, we thought about this for a while. We got lot. into an argument, and I got Joe to admit that he was an atheist. It That's was amazing. not what happened at all. <laughs> the answer to Tom's question is yes and no. Yes and no. That's where I fell down on it, too. And I had to think about it for a while. The, the idea... You have to get over the idea... Like, in the Marvel Universe, the term, you know, what is and what isn't a god... Everyone's a god. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a god yeah, in the Marvel there's Universe. There's a lot of gods right now. Hercules is the son of a god. There's a whole, you know, Olympian pantheon. All, like, all of the popular all and not-so-popular pantheons, like, of the world exist within the confines of the Marvel Universe. But they are, I would say, yes, they are otherworldly beings that... Humanity has maybe assigned the term God to. Yes. Because we've seen, like, Thor, Asgard, they're effectively in outer space. Matt Fraction investigated this pretty deeply in his Thor run, which was good. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they just don't know about comics. <laughs> but there was, like, a physicist that comes to Volstagg at the time to sit down with him and <laughs> talk about... What happened when Asgard... <laughs> because Volstagg is Asgard's chief scientist. <laughs> what happened when Asgard left its place in outer space and came to Oklahoma? You know, and what's left to Vil... Not outer space, but like... But th- whatever dimension it you was You know, time, time and space. Right. Yeah. They left it... Okay, time and space. Yeah. So, yes, they are more powerful than we are. They can fly. And, they, mm-hmm. like, they can do all these things of Norse myth. They've been around for a long time. No. You're see. I think you're you're justifying the term too much. They are gods because they were worshipped. That's where I'm going with this, though. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, did Thor do all the stuff from the Norse myths? Maybe not. Maybe Probably a lot of it, though. Maybe men made up a lot of that. Or it's stuff. very exaggerated. Yeah, or it's exaggerated. There's no reason why Thor didn't want to dress up in a wedding dress in order to get in the stronghold of the King of the Ice Giants. Maybe that's happened. Maybe, maybe we just haven't seen it yet. And like. Yes, they probably did think Sif was the goddess of the harvest when they met her, because they were these otherworldly beings that had superpowers, flew around, fought giants and stuff. Yeah, I mean, mean, Matt, uh, not Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron's dealing with it right now in Thor. Young Thor from, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years ago came to Earth all the time and, like, got drunk with the Vikings. Yeah. Those guys worshipped him as the god of thunder. Hung out, had sex, whooped ass, you know? I mean, like, he was around. Yeah, they worshipped him, They worshipped him as a god, and this is Thor before the weather-controlling hammer. Right. So, yeah, they're gods because they were worshipped by humans. But they're de facto... But they are also, according to Marvel continuity, they are just other dimensional beings that came to Earth... Yes. ...and were worshipped as gods by humanity. Exactly. Now, 
there was some precedent for this in the in the sense that the guys that created Thor, Jack Kirby, in his notes way back, which there's a story called Earth X that came out of this, where he had an idea where the Asgardians were shapeshifters that like crashed <laughs> onto Earth, and when they met the humans that they bumped into at the time, which would have been the Nordic people, they were like, oh my god, these must be the gods of Norse mythology. And they went and farted into the gods of (laughs) Norse mythology. Now, (laughs) uh, that I don't think is in continuity. I don't think that's in continuity either. It it, it is in continuity, however, that the Asgardians existed as they always have, you know, in the Shining City, uh, wearing armor and fighting giants or whatever. And then when they finally met humans, humans were like, oh god. Yeah. These guys are gods. Yeah, and 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 they wrote a bunch of stories religions about, about them. them. Yeah. They wrote a bunch of stories, which became Norse mythology. And so, that, and this is why yeah. in the Marvel universe, all of these pantheons coexist because the Greeks met Zeus, you right? Know, and the Egyptians met Ra and Seth. Horus and yeah. Seth. And things like that. So uh, the Canadians have the great beasts, you know? <laughs> right? You know? Hey. Uh, oh. <laughs> But the answer to your question is yes. Yeah, effectively, yes. They did all that stuff. They are lowercase g gods. And some of it was made up, and some of it was not. Some of it was exaggerated, just like any mythology. But So, like, it stops short at the fact that in Norse mythology, Odin created the universe. Right. You know, it, no, that's not how it is in the Marvel Universe. Now, he's probably given credit for it by the Norsemen. Right, but we know there was an all-father. But we know all-father. that all the Norsemen are dead at this point. And there so. was an all-father before Odin. We yeah, Odin's got a dad, yeah. you know, so... But, uh, yeah, it's very clearly laid, laid out in Marvel history. The Asgardians are, technically speaking, gods, though they are really... Otherworldly beings. You want to call them aliens? I suppose that wouldn't be too far off, but they're not space like... Space aliens. They're not like space aliens. <laughs> I mean, I, I think a oh, good way to think about it is uh, the way the Thor movie did, where they were definitely just other dimensional yeah. beings with vast technology that looked like magic. Right. And, and Tony Stark's been saying this for yeah, years. Yeah, and they were worshipped as gods by people who didn't know any better. Right. And Tony Stark, even in Matt Fraction's Thor, went to Asgard to build weapons yeah. to fight the Phoenix Force with. And while he was there, he, just like, he was like, well, this is just a different type of technology. I know. The, um, that was in Fear Itself. It was the, oh, you're right. Serpent, uh, pardon me. But pardon whatever. me. Fight the well, regardless, I mean, he did all that stuff. Yeah, and he discusses it the whole time. Yeah. Like, with the foul-mouthed dwarfs. Like, no, I don't believe that this is magic, and I don't believe that you're gods, and I don't believe any of this. I believe this is just a different type of technology. That's all it is. And that's something that pops up a lot in comics, is that skeptical characters Skeptical. often say that what what most characters perceive as magic, like Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom and the Asgardians, it's just technology and science that we don't understand yet. Right. Doom even more so, who has melded the two together. Melded he the is two like together, yeah. Science and sorcery. That's what he does. Yeah. Great question, Tom. Thanks for writing in. If you've got a comic-related question or trivia challenge for the THN Brain Trust, which is me, by the way, you can leave us a message on Skype under our Skype handle, Two-Headed Nerd, or send us an email with the subject line, Ask a Nerd, to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, and we just might read or play your question on the show. 
sort of break it down like this. And that is it for the sex talk episode of THN. If me explaining to Joe Patrick where babies come from and how best to avoid making one, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where if you want to prove your THN love, you can leave us a star rating and a written review or a Stitcher thumbs up, which will help us to connect with other potential listeners. Soft skulled potential listeners. <laughs> Huge thanks to all of our donors. If you'd like to help keep us in personal lubricants and BPA free sex toys, I don't know what that means. The type of plastic that you don't want to have sex with. <laughs> okay. You can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. Trust me, I know. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at twoheadednerd, our Skype handle, twoheadednerd, and our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, nerd, 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 where you can send us your love slash hate mail, leave us a voice message, or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, or whatever. And don't forget, to check out all the new content from the THN Love Slaves at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Like Ludicrous Speed reviews from Aaron Myers, who is still crying in his beer after finding out that I returned to the show and he doesn't have a job here. Sorry, sucker. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear even more of your answers and our own as well, be sure to check out the newly revamped TwoHeadedNerd.com web-exclusive not-safe-for-webheads audio blog. The new and improved answer of the week. Next week, the comic pushers are rolling up on the playground to sell some highly addictive comic product to boys and girls. So call us or email us with the subject line, comic pushers, and be sure to list what kind of music, TV, movies, books, toys, sports, baked goods, or whatever you're into. And we'll have you hooked on a new comic series in no time. Before we go. Our weekly shout-out goes to Mike and Laura Alred, who returned home from vacation to find the place ransacked, complete with missing computers, missing artwork, and let me tell you right now, to the thief who stole their stuff. You're f***ing with one of my favorite artists, and if I find out who you are, you're a f***ing dead man. All right, buddy? Mike Laura. Wow. That's right. Word to you, Mike and Laura. Hope we get this crap figured out with the quickness. And until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer might just kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. All this sex talk. This is going to be our highest. This is going to be our most downloaded episode since Horny Dads. <laughs> yeah, that one worked really well in the Google search. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. 